0: The following is paid programming and is operated and produced independently. The current views and opinions expressed belong solely to the operators and do not represent the views or opinions of Family Flavors the Slide WBN Inc., its affiliates, its sister companies, or respective companies which these individuals are affiliated or have been previously affiliated. The program's participants' opinions and content are based upon information they consider reliable, but neither family flavors to Slide WBN Inc. nor its affiliates warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be considered as such. All rights to the media broadcasted on this platform belong solely to the copyright owners of said media. Family flavors to Slide WBN Inc. and its affiliates do not make claims to own the media broadcasted on our network.
1: Good morning. Good
2: morning, How y'all doing? How's everybody doing today? Doing great. great. All right,
1: I like that. Come through energy. I am Tiffany. I am going to be one of y'all's co-hosts today. We are having our second town hall meeting. Y'all know I'm excited because I'm looking at a whole bunch of people who are contributing to the community that is Colorado Springs or the state of Colorado. So thank you all for taking your time out this morning to join us. This is exciting for me because we got questions, but this is a conversation, y'all. we family. We're all out here trying to make Colorado Springs better. So. We are here today. I got my co-host here, co-host here Mr. T.J.,
3: how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, thank you very much. <clears throat> so um, yes, thank you guys for coming out. Uh, we're looking to have your voice, right? We're looking to hear what you have to say. Uh, this is not a filtered room, so we're wanting to hear what your heart has to say and, and what you guys are looking to do in the community. So thank you for your time, thank you for coming out. And uh, yeah, we've got some rules.
1: We do have rules. So we will be asking you guys questions that we have gotten from the community, that we have gotten in our meetings, that we have gotten amongst ourselves, from all over as well as streaming phone calls or streaming calls for questions as well. These questions are gonna be pitched for the most part to everybody unless it is directly towards one person in this room. You have two and a half minutes to answer and we do allow time for a rebuttal if one is needs to be said. We good? Yes. yes. All right. So we're gonna go through. We're gonna start with just making sure that we know who everybody in this room is. I'm gonna start right over here with Mr. Gonzalez, and we just gonna come right down this way. I need everybody just tell us what's going on, y'all. How y'all doing today? Mr. You're the you're on the ballot for mayor this year, correct?
2: Uh, well, actually, uh, it would be in April of 2023, so it's go. early next year. I am uh, a county commissioner right now, in year six, so in my second term as a county commissioner representing the southeast portion of. Colorado Springs in the south and eastern portions of El Paso County. Uh, I'm a retired Air Force officer. I was a middle school teacher at Carmel Middle School uh, there in Harrison School District 2 where I still occasionally substitute teach because I want to make sure I'm helping out our youth down there. Uh, and uh, have uh, again, i just trying to do what I can for the community and uh, doing what I can as a county commissioner and then uh, hopefully as the next mayor of Colorado Springs
0: next year.
1: Thank you. How about you,
0: Margaret? Absolutely. I'm Joaquin Mobley. I am the senior vice president of Community Works, as well as a local uh, serial entrepreneur around here. Um, I went to Sierra High School. I graduated from Sierra High School. I grew up going back and forth from here in New York City, hence the Yankees have. <laughs> We're doing really good this year. I had to represent. Um, outside of that, we just helped with transitioning from people from poverty, as well as prison, uh, to a successful career path. So. Thank you for
3: showing up. Thank you.
4: Hello, my name is Cicely Harding. I am a native as well as a housing expert. I specialize in affordable housing to include tax credit as well as uh, Section 8 and public housing under the Cairo Springs Housing Authority. I'm also formerly a local politician with the Housing Authority, as well as I specialize in community resources. So I have all the connections to Um, assist those in the community and I also like to uh, do some community outreach through participating in community events as well as public speaking
5: opportunities hi I'm Rachel Stovall and I'm a community advocate this means I spend all of my time advocating for the health and the well-being of citizens in the Pikes Peak region across a wide variety of fields you know we're talking health we're talking mental health we're talking financial health we're talking emotional health and i always work towards those i'm a former columnist for the gazette i wrote from 2017 To 2021 in the political opinion section which is pretty funny because I'm really not at all a politician I am always an advocate and I am always advocating for solution but I would give the region some advice on some different things and show us how we could enhance our relationships with one another I informally served on the Human Rights Commission of Colorado Springs you know trying to enhance our community relations and I have advocated before six city Councils and miraculously only one really public fight. Pray <laughs> I have advocated before five mayors as well, and I just am glad to be right here in Colorado Springs where I have always lived and where God willing I will always live. Mr. Alvin.
6: Hi, thank you for having me. So my name is Alvin Sexton. I'm running to be the next state House Representative for House District 15. So I am nothing special. I'm not a commissioner. I'm not a state representative. I'm just a regular working class guy just uh, who identifies some problems in our neighborhood who thinks that we can do better. Um, my background is I have a bachelor's degree from the University of Houston, Victoria in political science. and my master's, I'm currently finishing that up in public administration. For those of you who know me and follow me know that I'm really uh, big into education and I'm really involved in our local school boards because we have a lot of uh, issues going on, specifically in defense. 49 we have churches interfering with our school board elections we have uh, two extremists on the school board who are saying things that like we don't need to be accepting of the LGBTQ community because of moral, um, their moral compass so um, that's something that I'm really really passionate about is making sure everybody has an equal voice and treated fairly.
3: Thank
7: you. well good morning everybody my name is Steve Schleicher and I am your current county assessor and running to be our next clerk and recorder um, lived here since 1975. You know, I'm the son of an Army brat. Graduated Whitefield High School back in 1987. And the day I graduated, walked across the stage and became a United States Marine that night. Um, spent 11 years in the Marines with an F 18 squadron, uh, you know, a veteran of Desert Shield, Desert Storm, Southern Watch, and Deny Flight. But after 11 years, you know, I made the decision to go ahead and get out and get an honorable discharge and used my GI Bill, which is a great benefit provided to our veterans, uh, to get my undergraduate degree in information technology management and two master's degrees, where I have a master's Mm -hmm. in the executive MBA and also project management. Um, Been in the assessor's office for 23 years and I worked my way from the bottom to where I am today, where I was blessed and humbled with the vote of the citizens of this county Uh, to be the assessor and during my time I have basically underspent and turned over in excess of $650,000 of excess uh, money from my budget back to the Board of County Commissioners each and every year. Um, I continually fight for our senior citizens with the senior homestead exemption and also our disabled veterans continually uh, want to promote that and also change it up for the benefit of our seniors and also our disabled veterans. In addition, is I'm the only assessor in the state of Colorado, which is extremely sad, um, where I'm saying this, where I made a decision to reduce taxes on all businesses here in El Paso County during the COVID uh, pandemic. So I went ahead and did that. And another thing is I also was a strong proponent and also worked on increasing the personal property tax exemption where today 90% of our small mom and pop businesses are now exempt from personal property tax. And I just want to bring that leadership and that knowledge and experience to be our next clerk and recorder and be a fair referee to all. So thank you for having me.
8: Thank you. So my name is uh, James Flowers. I'm, uh, I'm not a politician, not a commissioner or anything. I'm just a, a proud Army uh, veteran, 23 years. I'm not born and raised here in Colorado, but I came here in 97, let's place, the places. So I love it, so I'm going to retire here, and I came back in 2009, got my house, brought my wife and kids, and we retired here. Uh, I actually am proud to be the president of the Fountain Valley Chamber of Commerce, and what do I like to do? I like to ask the questions people want to ask and get the answers that we need. I'm, I'm all speaking up for our veterans, our minority, and our women-owned businesses, and women in general. Uh, I believe the fact that there's no such thing as it should be a split paycheck, it should be an equal paycheck with the work you do, not the where you were born. I look at the fact that uh, I ask a question of this, you know, for the city of Colorado Springs that received 44% of that income from the military, what are you doing for your veterans and not the veteran organization doing it for you? I like that question answered. Uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur, as my brother Joaquin said, and I'm just here to... Uh, Ask the questions or be asked the questions and give you an answer. And yes, I'm southern, so I may ask you a question <laughs> so that I you. Ask so if you didn't hear that in my tone, you're going to hear it several times. So don't be correcting me saying he can't speak politically correct. Well, what exactly is that?
6: So thank what, you for allowing me to be you from
8: I'm from South Carolina. I'm Charles.
6: I'm from Tennessee. I'm so. Gichel. We can
8: talk all yeah, day, but yeah. the accent coming out yeah. now, we can get a good conversation. And, and, right. I,
7: <laughs> and I was stationed in Beaufort, South Carolina for seven years, so I completely yeah. understand. I, no, I got a <laughs> translator. <Yeah. laughs>
1: translator. All right, and then we also have uh, Mr. Tony Exel Sr. on the phone. He's going to be listening in and answering questions as well. He is definitely um, running for. I just had a, a brand State name. Senate. Thank you. State I knew it was important. <laughs> he is running for the Senate office right now. So Mr. Exxon, we hear you, we got you on the line and we definitely are gonna be pitching some questions to you. So, guys, we have a lot of questions to talk to cover in the next hour and a half, so to speak. We're going to go to a quick break, and when we come back from break, we're going to get right into these questions. We're going to be talking about housing. We're going to be talking about education. We're going to be talking about homelessness and a whole bunch of issues that need to be talked about and tackled today in this meeting. So be prepared to have your thinking caps on. Be prepared to have your solution hats on because we're going to figure out some things today. All right, y'all? All right, Mr. T, we go on commercial? Yep, let's go. All right.
5: We miss Glenn. But
6: Glenn Mr. Chauncey, good to see you, sir. I'm oh,
5: sorry. That's, That's yeah, to, uh, I'm excellent, yeah. That's That's cool. I saw you walk through
6: the door, I'm like, my boy. I went to the wrong
0: OK, uh, uh, so we're going to do your introduction. Everyone just kind of went around the room,
5: did their introductions. Um, so if you want to <laughs> tell everyone a little bit about yourself really quick. Okay.
9: Oh, do like to, you like me to do that now? I thought you were right.
5: Oh, yes, ma'am.
9: Okay. okay. This is Glenn Heber, I'm the trustee in Palmer Lake. Hi, Steve. I heard you in there. Hey, Glenn. I'm how are you? I'm also running for mayor, and I am a 20-year veteran real estate broker and managing broker of a large firm here in Colorado Springs, and the topics that we're talking about this morning are absolutely important. and. Important to all of us, but especially in my real estate business, and especially all of us as elected officials in solving some
5: problems. Okay, perfect, thank you, Miss Laura. Great to hear from you, Glenn. We're going to go to a short break and we'll be right back, okay? Thank you. All right.
6: for the grown and sexy.
2: i myself uh.
1: Right, y'all welcome back welcome back how we feeling great, yeah, I great. Like that introduction made everybody know each other a little better like y'all were going off into the conversations it was a nice little icebreaker so i'm glad we're doing good because we're going to have some real talk it's fun it is a lot of fun so i have a few people in here um a lot of us are holding city positions and things like that i do have a couple people who do not hold city positions right now and i want to point this question out to you guys in particular that's going to be mr U- mr joaquin over here miss cecily mr james what are y'all's concerns right now as people who are not on the ballot at this moment?
0: Um, you want me to kick it off? Open. Yeah,
1: whoever That's wants great. to kick it off. Go
3: start down there and work our way this way. Okay. Hey,
0: y'all. Um, I think my concern right now is uh, uh, inclusivity, right, uh, oh. specifically with individuals in the southeast part of town, which is an uh, area that I you know, resided in off and on my whole life. Um, and with the individuals I feel like are getting overlooked whether it's uh, you know, le- uh, Talent um, Whether it's you know, just recognition, right? Uh, I feel like they have a lot to contribute to the rest of the city and uh, I just want to be that voice and speak up on Their behalf to make sure that they're getting uh, you know the credibility and the the resources that they deserve
3: So how can how can the people that are on the political line? How can they do that? How can they accomplish that?
0: Uh, I think it starts with the uh, coming to that part of town, right?
1: That's
0: a big one. Um, For instance, we have a a facility right there, 1652 South Circle. Um, We have a barber shop. We do barbershop talks. We do a whole bunch of things. Um, You know, we really want people to show up and come through there and really uh, just show their, whether it's concern or just show um, that they're really just interested in those people in that part of town. So um, I think that's where we start.
4: Thank Thank you everything that he said. (laughs) I mean I'm glad that he's next to me so he could just be my spokesperson because there's nothing that I disagree about. It does need to start in the area of concentration that needs the most focus which is southeast and uh, all the heads that be need to come together and come up with answers and solutions and make this thing really happen because We're fortunate in this city that our infrastructure does not have a large focus. It's not our entire city that's in need. It's one particular section that needs focus. So if we can apply the same funding concepts and everything that they have on all the other areas of the city to the area that needs it most, then we should be headed in the right direction. I'm not exactly sure why there's even a disconnect at this point because this city is eligible for the funding that's necessary uh, to bring the southeast section up and live and vibrant. However, I do believe that it's probably more so an investment issue because You need to be able to gain investors that are not local, not in this state. You need to be able to grab the people down in Texas and get them on board. Bring those entities in because they have their own funding sources, which is their state. We need to borrow some of that. We need to have some of that applied here so that we're not only working with our own resources, that they're being pulled. So do you,
3: do you, are you familiar, Amazon came down into that neighborhood, did they not? Did Amazon not come down Yes, they
4: did. And, they did. And was that, do you think that was a huge benefit for the area? I do in many ways, but they have some um, hiccups that they have not addressed. Such as? They are not taking care of their workers. Ooh. Okay. And the reason why I say that is because... They have high turnover, even though they pay excellent wages, and that has to be an internal problem. It has to be something that they're doing. Their culture is off track because they definitely have the business. Yeah. So yeah. it's not that. It's well, not it's, that they're lacking in business flow. Lead
3: leadership, right? It starts at the top and of leadership course. it flows down. That's okay. Right.
5: <clears throat> Got people
1: calling uh, in. This is Tiffany. Thank you for calling into the town hall meeting. How can I help you? <laughs>
3: Mm-hmm. I
1: had a question. What's going on, baby? Um, since the workforce isn't exactly effective in Colorado Springs, how are we going to help entrepreneurs who are willing to do the work help to get ahead? And I actually would like to pose that to some of, to whoever, yeah, Mr. James, you got an okay.
3: answer? What well, did he say? You he the say yeah. so one more
8: time. time? Entrepreneurs?
3: Can you repeat the question? Of course. Since the workforce isn't exactly effective. Colorado Springs, how are we gonna help entrepreneurs,
8: entrepreneurs willing to do the work help to get in? Excellent question. One of the biggest things I would say entrepreneurs is who you're asking for assistance, where you're going at. The city has some great organizations, the SBDC, we have the SCORE, we have the MBO and let me say that the small business development center. We have the uh, MBO, the Minority Business Office. We have several Chamber of Commerce's. We have the uh, SBA, the Small Business Association, to help with loans and grants. I would say, honestly, go to these locations first and say, hey, I need help. Start off there. You can actually start with the business that's actually in your neighborhood. Hey, how are you getting help? What are you doing, survive? When COVID hit, we had a lot of businesses that closed.
5: 40%.
8: Exactly. But we had a 65% increase in new business entrepreneurships growing. Which is great, but it's kind of like uh, if I decide to go cut here, but I never been to barber school, I'm gonna fail. So I will go talk to Joaquin how I can get started. So those people who are in business, you feel successful, ask them where are you getting your help. What can I do? At the <coughs> same time, be open to say, you know what, I'll try that. Uh, I'll give that a try because if you think it don't work, hmm, you haven't been in business yet, so maybe they know what they're talking about that can help you.
1: Thank you. There's plenty of resources. How do you you know? Yep.
0: Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So um, Community Works, we are very, very uh, intentionally making an effort to uh, really help, uh, I guess, empower local entrepreneurs. Uh, So we partnered with DOLA, we partnered with Thrive, um, we partnered with the Transforming Safety Grant, which is uh, the Denver Foundation and Pikes Peak Foundation. Uh, So what we're doing is actually we're holding classes uh, for individuals that want to get involved in entrepreneurship and we go through a boot camp. After that boot camp, um, we do at least up to a year of consultant work, showing them what they need to do to be successful. Uh, We even help them map out what career and what industry they should look into, right? So um, the resources are there as far as that, but we definitely need help with amplifying our voice and letting the rest of the city know about that. Uh, And as always, we need more and more resources. We're definitely seeing uptick in people wanting to get involved in entrepreneurship. Um, you know but I have limited resources that's just being honest Um, but what I got I give Uh, if you follow me on Facebook we've given out I think $13,000 in the last like two months Uh, my goal is by next I believe uh, maybe uh, August I plan on giving out $250,000 in resources to get people started, entrepreneurs. We make that's, bro. A, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah, I would, I would like to, I would like to address know, Mr. Yeah, Gonzalez. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If I
9: can add to that, in Palmer Lake, we're hosting the business boot camp workshop this Wednesday. Actually, to that gentleman caller, on Wednesday at eight a.m. from eight to three this week for twenty dollars, we are hosting the SBA workshop for entrepreneurs and bringing more business revenue that isn't service-based businesses, more tangible business to the Monument Palmer Lake area. And um, I think you want to hook that caller up with me. I'm happy to enroll him in that class this Wednesday. Awesome. Nice. Yes. Thank you. Mr.
3: Gonzalez.
2: Yeah, so as a county commissioner, one of the things that we do work uh, well with and uh, collaboratively in our region is our uh, Pikes Peak Workforce Center. So uh, they're uh, uh, representing uh, Teller and El Paso County, a lot of great resources there for anybody who wants to try to upgrade uh, their uh, their expertise in the, in the jobs they have right now or retrain into a different field uh, if they feel they want to get into a different type of career field. So I always recommend the Pikes Peak Workforce Center as an excellent organization and uh, was mentioned here earlier just a minute ago, uh, the Thrive. For those that are looking for to be entrepreneurs and for business uh, training, uh, especially in the southeast, Thrive is another great local resource, especially for minority uh, so, entrepreneurs.
3: So the thought that comes yes, I'll get to you in one second, Mr. Mitchell. So the thought to me that comes to my mind is there's, you know, I know what the SBA and SBDC is and so on and so forth. That's me, right? The people that are the young entrepreneurs, right? I don't know if they know if they've gotten that message. So how can we get that message to them, right? It it, it seems like the message is stops at a certain place. Why does? How can we fix
6: that? Um, so yeah. I, I want to add to this. Yeah. So regarding government, whether it be local, federal, or state, it can get very convoluted with a lot of information. And one thing I want to compliment the city of Colorado Springs doing and probably I'm part of the commissioner here is we do a very good job of labeling what each sector of the government is what it does and the resources available if you simply just go to the Colorado Springs actual city website you'll find that because a lot of people don't even go and just research it there you can also find information on how to serve on like on boards if you want to get involved in your community because a lot of people don't know that you can have a say in your government personally just by going to these websites and learning and I encourage you to go to the Colorado State website and just look at things look at our budget look at the grants we give out it's all listed there we do a very good job of that and I just want to bring that to people's attention that is an option
3: have you have you created any sort of info platform where it's all condensed, say, hey, here's a link, here's a link, have you created an article, have you created a website to where these people can go find those resources that you're talking about?
6: Yes. So this question has not came up personally from any of my constituents, but that is something I can absolutely do to put on my website. It will not take a lot of effort to do that.
3: Yep. I would love to see it.
6: Okay.
9: Thank you.
5: I just wanted to bring a different perspective to the person who brought this up about the workforce not working very well. I understand that. and so. People who walk into the entrepreneurial space, I need you to consider taking your services and offering them to employees. One of the most rewarding work experiences that I ever had was when I went to Springs Rescue Mission, and they had a position that was open, and I said, you know, instead of you spending all of that extra money on Social Security and all of that extra money on, you know, a a benefits package, why don't I take this on as a contractor? It will cost you considerably less. contract you the same services underneath my business and I can work for you and you can have the results that I can create. And I had a wonderful time of being able to raise money, plan events and, and really you know, pour into them with the services and it was wonderful for me as a contractor. So I'm talking to entrepreneurs. I want you to kind of think outside your box a little bit because government doesn't always have to be your answer. Sometimes the yeah. answer is in us. Empowering. Yes, Mm -hmm. empowering the people. One
3: second. Hold on. Were you calling for a question? Or baby, what's your
1: question? I would like to know what the council is doing about the current housing situation and then all
0: of
1: the legalization of marijuana has increased our population well over the established residency. I'm sorry, baby. Can you
0: repeat that one more time? I would like to know
1: Council's no, not here. Yeah, th- that's not relevant at this time. Unfortunately, we just don't have any members from the council, council to speak on that at this moment. Thanks, caller. Uh, oh, okay. It's All right. Here. I'm sorry, baby, but thank you for calling. No problem. All right. Thank you for calling the town hall meeting. Mrs. Tiffany, were you calling with a question today? Yes,
9: I am.
1: What's your question, baby? Well, my question is for Andrew Jackson. Okay. So what
3: happens when they add pedophilia to the LGBTQ? Oh <gasps> <guys? gasps> can can you repeat the question? Yeah, um
9: uh,
0: so what happens when they add pedophilia Jesus. to the L G T Piliate to the In
1: what way do you mean that? Can you elaborate a little bit more please? Oh, God. Yeah, so what happens if they introduce it to the
6: community, like what happens. If, they, if we introduce the LGBTQ community to the community? Is That's that what not you? what she asked. No.
5: So pedophilia, she's talking about child molestation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you understand? Okay, so you're
6: talking about, is that correct? What, miss? Yeah. Okay, how are we introducing child molestation to the community? They're asking what happens when you do. It, like, uh, who's if, doing if it, though? Do it, if, they, if anybody does that, like, just try to add designation well, has, the designation. Well, yeah, control. so I would I, I, I'd like to ask you to tell me an example of where it's happening that you're concerned about. That's a concern, like
9: I have a child, I have a daughter. so let's say someone older than her that is in that community to bring her into that community. Just, uh, like what happened, how would I deal with that she was introduced
6: to that? I don't know of anybody introducing pedophilia to kids. Are you referring to education? Are you, are you referring to our schools or I'm just trying to get a better view of how I can answer your question most correctly?
5: Can can I bridge this for you both? I try to speak fluent liberal and I try to speak fluent conservative. Mm-hmm. So many conservatives that are in the community are concerned about some of the interaction in schools with some of these presentations that are oh, done okay. by drag queens. You gotcha. know, we've seen the most extreme things in the media that are like, you know, the children are stuffing money in somebody's, you know, a thong, okay. and uh, things like that. And they feel that that is, unhealthy for the children and grooming for molestation. Have I bridged that correctly, Miss? Ma'am?
6: Okay, we'll say yeah. she bridged that yeah. correctly. So if you just go look at the Colorado, uh, mm-hmm. the state of Colorado, the sex education standard, you will clearly see that's not happening because we have age-appropriate material like K through third. We're not showing them these, whatever these vulgar images she's claimed we're doing. Uh, like when you get to fifth grade, you're probably learning about body anatomy. Then when you're going into high school, you're learning about how not to get a sexually transmitted disease and how not to get somebody pregnant. Um, I, I, do, I think that's what she's alluding to, but it's just not happening. If you actually just read our curriculum and you would get involved in our school board meetings, it's, a lot of this stuff is just manufactured outrage. It's just simply not happening here in Colorado Springs. And if it is, I would challenge you to point out what school district is happening in and tell me where. Uh,
5: again, uh, you know, i I'm just bridging the information kind of one side to the other. Yeah. I, I I know that. It's not manufactured in the other states where that has happened. Let's concentrate. Because we don't exactly. Yeah. So we don't do those sorts of things in Colorado Springs. Perfect. I know well because I work with the school districts. I know well because I work with the library districts. Exactly. Yeah, so we can. Glad that
1: you guys brought up the school district because yeah. I wanted to turn this right into education. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that that even let's, got right go. into education. Yeah. So we're gonna go. But right I understand the fear yeah. as well. And then one of the things that we were talking about was the difference, and I want to say almost a a segregation, if you will, to the south side versus the rest of the community. When we say the southeast side, we are talking about the 80910, the 80911, some portions of the 80906 that aren't affiliated with Fort Carson. We're talking about some of mid-Colorado Springs as well that don't seem to get the same treatment, especially in the schools as well, as they do the rest of the Springs, D49, D20 in particular, definitely have different school standards and experiences that it seems like D2 and D3 and 11, half of D11 does. What do you guys feel about that? So, one
3: one second, one second. Let's ask Mr. Tony on the Senate level how he plans on helping, how he plans. Mr. Tony, are you here? Yeah,
5: I'm here, I I didn't hear the question. Help him, he didn't hear the question. Hey, Mr. Tony, how you doing?
1: So the question was based most was how do we help make sure that we can bridge the gaps in our education system in the city of Colorado Springs between the different districts? Meaning how district two and district three seem to have different experiences than district forty nine or district twenty. Do you feel like there's a difference and how do we fix that if there is one? I got you, Mr. Lee. Talk
3: to
7: Mr. Stephen. Yep. Hey, Tony. This is Steve Schleicher. How you doing, guy? I'm doing good, thanks. So, you know, one thing that makes El Paso County more unique than any other county in the state of Colorado is most of our counties only have one school district, whereas here in El Paso County, we have 17 different school districts. And we are the only metro county that has that. So, for example, Douglas County has one school district. Denver has one school district. So you're looking at a, a, a lot of different personalities in a community on these school boards. The other thing, Tony, as you know, is funding. When we're sitting there looking at property values, they're extremely Absolutely. different when you sit there and you look at the property values in D38 than the property values in D11 or in School District 2, uh, which is quite a, uh, quite a huge, uh, significant difference. And as most know, is all property taxes stay here. No property taxes go to the state level. But as you will sit there and, and take a look, Is the mill levies are quite different as well when you look at the funding for these school districts as well. So we you know, that is just one thing that makes El Paso County extremely unique is 17 different school districts with 17 different personalities. And growing up here, and most of us gave the introduction, we'll sit there and remember as I graduated from school district three in Whitefield, growing up, we're like, oh District 12 gets everything. You know. Just basically, District 2 doesn't get everything. I mean, our competitor was Sierra High School playing football down there, yeah. uh, and Harrison, things like that. But it, it comes, t- it, um, you're absolutely right. It comes down to the funding, but you also have to look at the property values throughout the El Paso County region. What
1: do you think, Mr. Jones?
7: Okay, uh, I'm going to come about
8: this two ways. One, of the biggest thing is actually attending the school board meetings. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that's yeah. being said in none of the school board meetings is being said because nobody's there to object it. Nobody's there to say, we need to have it this way. Nobody's there to go, no, we don't want it that way. Get and, and it's kind of it's like if you're on the board, which most of us are, and we have an open board and we have something that could be life-changing for our constituents, our area, and there's no there to say something against it, and once we pass it, now you're the bad guy. Because why did you guys pass it? Well, why weren't you at the meeting to tell us something different? That's one we look at it. The second way... Listen to the kids. We are consistently having people, and I'll say it. I'm one of them old, on the school board coming with ideas about how the school should be, how we should do this. And I think this is how it was. Sorry, we're not using a chalkboard and a, a scratching pad to do school no more. The young people were certain ways to learn. And if you actually ask them questions, they give you answers to help them to guide, because their friends in District 3, this idea they worked on, they thought that was great, but you're in District 49 and you're hearing something different, wow, imagine if you actually listen to the kids who are going to school, who are going to be changing the community, who are leaving your communities mm-hmm. to go to different cities and states because there's nothing here for them to do. Mm-hmm. Grandma, grandpa, the way you did stuff, it has changed. Right. It is time to let the young generation bring in the new wave of doing things to build up your community. So parents, find time to attend the school. Boy, if you can't attend, Get on the live. Send in an email. If you can't go, if someone can't go, let them go and take notes and put those notes across the community so we all know what's going on. We do the same thing every year. They send out the big blue packet of all the new uh, laws they want to pass, and we go, well, what's that mean? If you attended those school board meetings or the city council meetings, you have a better idea that's
1: what I got
6: to say okay so I agree with Representative and I agree with this gentleman on the left absolutely attend the school board meetings but there's actually three things we can do first off you have to get involved like he said and you have to vote in the school board members that are going to implement policies second we need SEL in school and we need diversity equity and inclusion the third thing we can do coming November 8th is pass house bill 1414 which is going to feed our children if our children are hungry they cannot learn and that's just going to cause a negative effect that is going to keep Rolling and rolling down the hill, we have options to change, and we uh, we can starting November eighth. Thank you so much, all right
1: We have a question. What's your question, baby? I, I am calling in.
6: So let him finish, let him finish. Sorry. What if this does bring pedophilia into the light of acceptability, then what are we going to do? So you're afraid of perverts, you're not afraid of the actual community and I don't know why we spend so, I don't know why we spend so much time attacking the LGBTQ community. What are they doing to us? They are doing absolutely nothing to us. they're just trying to live and be normal human beings. Like, I am sick and tired of going to these school board meetings and arguing with like MagA Republicans who say, say that they are immoral based on their moral compass they are not immoral. they're just regular people who need fair representation.
3: I would say go to the parents and have the parents raise their children. Well, when children are in school
9: full time because the standardized public education system works that way because parents are not raising their children, peers are raising these
4: children, so would you struggle to disagree that this could be a pipeline for problems? I'm going to give Ms. Cecilia. I believe that the main focus should be on the fact that the LGBT community are not in violation of any crimes. Pedophilia is still a crime. So we need, well to f- we need to focus on making sure that it remains a crime and it does not become socially acceptable. Because if it does not remain a crime, then yes, I do understand your point that they may add a P on the end of all of that because then they could consider it a lifestyle choice. What the LGBT community does is a lifestyle choice. they have broken no laws, they do not discriminate against others based on their personal choices. Pedophilia uh has victims involved that. there's a difference, and so but I do completely understand where you're coming from that we're being socially conditioned to accept things and putting things together all in one basket, but pedophilia will never belong in a basket of people simply making their own personal lifestyle choices because that's the only thing that's going on but pedophilia is actually a huge problem that has been going on for many many years and we do need to be extra careful about it because it can become the social norm and become socially acceptable because people continue to do so and they are very powerful people that help them hide that fact yes
9: and that's where my
5: I get it. Can I address your concern um, with kind of a solution? One of the things I know that happens in El Paso County and almost every single school district is that Kid Power goes into the schools and the children are trained from the smallest age um, several times a year on how to defend themselves from sexual predators. We need to expand this training. We need to increase this training and we need to just make sure that every child in the Pikes Peak region is exposed to the information that teaches them um, how to f- defend themselves from people trying to groom them for molestation and bring it all the way up to that these kids know how to fight. Would you, you agree? Yes, I agree. Thank all right. You're welcome. <coughs> no,
3: thank you. Thank you. Okay. Do we have a call on hold? You do.
1: Hi, this is Tiffany. Thank you for calling into the town hall meeting. Did you have a question today? All righty, guys. So, call back. So we're going to go uh, into our last education question real quick. So even today, we are talking about different things. We brought up uh, vocational programming and training and everything else. So Ms. Sess, can I get you to uh, kick us off with your thoughts on adding trade programs or vocational programs to the school?
4: I would love to see more vocational programs added back into the public school system. This the best way to prepare our youth is by having them have hands-on training. Um it's nothing like trying to transfer what you have learned from a book or a computer to actual hands-on. They need that in place. It's the diff- it will make the difference between whether or not they feel like they have accomplished something by earning their high school diploma, because right now they have no hands-on training that's attached to that. So they have some programs out there, but they're not at the public education level. They're at the secondary level that some high schoolers can participate in. It's called the area vocational program. They need to expand programs like that. They also need to include that in all facets. There are uh, companies that should include that in their, uh, with their workforce so that they are doing cross training and some other skill sets to add to the additional skills that their workers may have. That gives them job stability as well as a sense of belonging. And so I really do need to see more vocational rehabilitation in, um, instilled into our community.
3: So yes, how can we, how can we make that happen?
7: You know, one of the things, and I completely agree with that comment in, in regards to vocational training. I remember, you know, my days in high school down at Whitefield. You know, we had a shop class, we had automotive class, we built homes, we had, uh, you know, as far as being, an, if you wanted to be an electrician, and vocational training was promoted. But I also challenge individuals who are running for state offices, yes. uh, our state elected officials. Mm-hmm. Um, to basically also not only uh, promote that, but what about our veterans? Mm -hmm. Our veterans that are spending some time in the military and they're getting on-the-job training, but when they get out of the military, either retire or an honorable discharge, basically the skill sets that they learned are not compatible of coming back. And you're finding yourself just going. These are highly skilled individuals, and what our state needs to do is look at these skills and say, you know what, you did a great job. You don't need to go through all these processes, and you know, and start taking care of our veterans. But I challenge all of our uh, state elected officials to, you know, reach out, promote vocational training, and take Absolutely. care of our veterans that are learning these skills. Uh, to help out here in their local communities. Yeah, James. James was mentioning if
3: we would listen to the kids, yep. right? And and so yes, I like that. Thank and then we have
1: this on the phone, so I'm curious to think what you think on all of this with the vocational and the training programs. Uh, you know, it's
9: interesting. I've been just listening to this conversation, and uh, as an elected official in School District 38, I I feel um, a, a real passion for this because. Uh, it's assumed in our school district that most kids will go to college. It's assumed in our school district that most probably they go to college. And our vocational training programs are up. There is a lot of kids doing dual enrollment right now in our school district, in both of our high schools. And they are working on welding. They are working on electrical licenses. Yeah. They yep. are working on cosmetology licenses. I've noticed this year in particular, and in the years following the pandemic, that there is substantially more kids, especially in school districts where it's always thought the next step is college, where vocational training is highly more acceptable now and substantially more encouraged.
1: Thank you. And then, mm-hmm. Mr. Jones, you want to close out on, on that question? Yes,
8: definitely, definitely. Uh, so, as, as the young ladies just stated, it's, it's uh, put in our mind frame from kindergarten to 12th grade, you got to go to college no you don't everybody is not college material in the lack of error, and everybody does not want to go to college but the biggest problem i look at is once these kids leave school whether it be by graduate walk away or a GED what's next we're talking about how we have so much unemployment how we can't find people uh... how we're trying to get rid of welfare and everything if we're teaching our children because they want to learn a trade to make money off the bat it helps out the average vocal vocal technical school graduate starts off making fifty-one to sixty-one thousand dollars a That's year. Large. We're talking about kids getting these five and six-figure student loan debts that take them 10 to 15 years to pay off. In sure which they cannot be, they wouldn't be indebted if they could have that book. Some of these kids are natural engineers they want to get their hands dirty on uh, in, a, in a machine shop. Some of these kids are great. Just we working art. Some of these kids want the electricians. We are sitting talking about how we have a small amount of people to do the service jobs or hands labor job we need, but we're not training them to do it, giving them the chance to do it. If you want to actually make something work for the community, bring back vocational. I, I remember making a Hello. statement with one of my friends. Exactly. A lot of schools don't teach cursive writing anymore. Mm-hmm. When have when the last time you saw your kid come home and talk about how they balance their checkbook? If you actually notice it's only taught in the private schools. It's taught in the home school for some of them, and it's taught in magnet schools. Women, why is it the private, the public schools are not getting the support we need to make the public kids go and do better? What? In closing, bring back vote Tech so we will increase the income for the community. That. We will increase the kids' knowledge and the support they can do in the community. We will increase the fact amount of people who say, "Hey, you know what? I can stay here. I can do things." Because they're leaving your area, they're getting in criminal problems they're getting in drug problems they're getting in personal problems all because of the fact that you say hey you know what go to college and get the debt you're going to work till you're broke
6: yeah I'm and there's nothing I, wrong I, with you know, a blue collar. hold
8: on
3: hold on hold on hold on i want to talk to i want to ask mr rock queen because you have a you have an organization yeah, no, no, right. that, right. that uh that does what they're talking about correct
0: can you yeah, tell us absolutely. a little bit about that and what you're doing yeah we've definitely seen the uptick we definitely seen an uptick as far as people wanting to get involved in uh vocational training, um, and we've seen a decline as far as people, well, not a decline. We've seen an incline as far as people retiring from there, right? So what we're having mm-hmm. now is an, mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, what are they called, the baby baby boomers? That's us. Like, yeah. right? they're, they're retiring now from that world, right? And we don't have enough people to replace it. Um, so what we've been trying to do is really introduce um, you know, uh, construction trades, all that, through the concept of using pre-apprenticeships. Right. So they're really short classes just to kind of garner up the attention and interest in some of these kids that potentially could be, um, you know, uh, you know, your next electrician, your next plumber. Um, But I think um, what we're failing to realize is that we're also in competition with a lot of different other fields that a lot of our kids are wanting to go into instead of getting their hands dirty. Right. So uh, we're also trying to figure out how to balance that. Right, so it's like we're getting a lot of individuals that are like wanting to go into doing, I don't know, being rappers. Right, yeah, this is just the honesty of it, creative. Right, so we're trying to figure out a way to bridge the gap, which I think we kind of have as far as entertainment as well as trades.
3: Let's go to our mayor, mayoral candidates. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Uh, so as Commissioner Gonzalez, and, and, and before I was elected Commissioner, I was a school teacher down in uh, Carmel Middle School in District 2, so uh, I think it's very valuable to for these options uh, for, uh, for vocational education and the, and the strengths, and we need to talk about it as, as something that is a viable option that uh, people have respectful work. My parents were you know, uh, worked manual labor and were great parents and taught me, you know, what I what I am and became, you know, I'm, I am what I am now because of the things taught by my parents. And so very proud of that kind of work that they did for us. Uh, and so uh, one of the things I'd say was kind of brought up earlier, talk to your principals, talk to your superintendents, talk to those school board members or, you know, run to be school board if you want to emphasize this type of funding for our community. And I think it's something that we, we all agree on. It's just something we need to talk about a little bit more. All
1: right. On then. All right and then I have you on the phone. Explain what you thinking?
9: Uh, well, just one thing I wanted to add to this conversation that um, you know, is more prevalent in school district 38. There is a shame the catch in school district 38 in an area of highly educated parents Get it. of kids that don't want to go to college. And with that shame in school district 38 and school district 20, we have the highest rate of teenage suicide in the area, mm. uh, and there is a shame attached to kids that don't want to go to college anymore. And We need to make vocational training okay, we need to make it um a congratulatory and on that's right. With when we congratulate cho- children for going to college, because the stigma and shame in this school district, in particular, in an area where most kids do go to college is an issue surrounding this okay we're
3: gonna we're gonna move on off the educational bit we're gonna move into the word came up with infrastructure right so i know i i've lived down in the 80911 zip code for the last 15 to 16 years i've lived down there and so infrastructure, look at the roads. I can drive up on the north side of town and see that there's not weeds growing in the, the median. So so, so, what are we doing for 80911 to put the infrastructure to where it can be running right?
5: I, I want to take some of that on. yeah, Because we're talking 80911, 80916, 80910, and these are areas that lack representation. Now, as well as having people set in the House, as well as having people on city council, as well as having county commissioners, people in the public sphere need to kind of get, the, the regular citizens need to get, we need you on boards and commissions and committees, we need you with the nonprofits. We need you to be slightly more engaged so that there is always someone who lives in these areas at these tables. It is said that if, you know, uh, they won't give you a seat at the table, Barbara Chisholm said pull up a chair. I'm going to need some of you all out here in House (laughs) District 17 to pull up a chair be brave you know what the ideas that you carry the perspective that you have the power of your lived experience could change what is happening in these rooms could change what is happening in these conversations you have the power to make it better but we need you as well as the electeds to come on together and use it people need to hear what is happening what you see with the medians what's going on with the streets I recently recently drove over on Aero Plaza and tore my whole tire up because the doggone pipes were were coming up out of the street. They didn't have the manhole covers on. How annoying is that? And you know, you don't get reimbursed for having to fix your tires. And yes, I think it's unlikely that I would see that up north. You know, but when we only have one phone call to city council, we don't get it done. When we have a hundred phone calls, when we have a thousand phone calls, when we have a hundred emails, when we have a thousand emails, we find ourselves in a position of being the power dynamic.
8: And being person, yes. The
5: power dynamic. <clears throat> yep. There's power in numbers and we're going to have to bring the numbers together. Now I got to get bold and I have to be controversial for one minute. I don't care what party you're in. It's time for you to engage your governments and remind them that they work for you. There you go. Whether you are unaffiliated. Whether you are Democrat, whether you are Republican, you are all citizens. You have the same power, and darlings, yep, embrace you're yeah. not using it, but you can. Every day is another opportunity to let somebody know how you feel, what you want, and the fact that since your taxes pay for this, these people work for you. There you go.
7: Thank you, Miss Rachel. Go ahead, Stephen. So infrastructure is an absolute great topic to talk about here in el paso county and the question that we all should be asking ourselves is what's the difference between southeast colorado springs or north uh, in el paso county and monument and you see the growth that is going on in different parts of our county and i will tell you i have not seen much change at all in southeast part of colorado springs whatsoever Things are still the same, buildings, things like that. Yes. What needs to happen is incentivize developers with you, URAs, your urban mm-hmm. renewable authorities, tax incentives. You bring in anchor stores. Right now, you know, the concern that I have down, you know, where I grew up is we have you know food deserts right. where folks are driving miles to try to get to a grocery store. Whereas I got three within five miles of my home where I live off a Garden of God's and Centennial, there is a vast difference there. Mm-hmm. But what we have to do is incentivize developers to say, you know what, this is going to be a great development. For example, look at what's going on in South Nevada. Everything that's happening down there, and you know, as far as bringing. Um, Tax rebates, things like that, getting developers down there to go, you know, let's revitalize uh, this Come area. On, let's bring some anchor stores. Let's bring in the King Supers. Let's bring in the Costco. This is what needs to happen down in the southeast part of Colorado uh, Springs. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Anybody?
3: Uh, <coughs> yes, I want to go to Mr. Gonzalez. Go ahead.
2: Oh, uh, Thank you. And so, again, Commissioner Gonzalez. And so one of the things that people do know that I've always emphasized as a commissioner each and every year is getting additional dollars to infrastructure and our roads because when I get calls, it's usually about potholes. It's a, it's about issues with roads, infrastructure, uh, and, and, and public safety normally are the, are the top things. And so I've always emphasized that. And so if, uh, if I am the next mayor, I'm going to continue to emphasize size, that infrastructure repair, roads repair, a- and making sure each of our districts are being treated fairly and uh, the same. I-, I live off of Shelton and Hancock. I live in southeast Colorado Springs, and when I go out jogging in the morning, I'm dodging all those weeds uh, on the sidewalks because we don't get the exact same, I think, treatment as we as we do. So and the ways you, way you change that, that and yeah. exactly, and the way we change that <coughs> are a couple of things. One, I'm going to make sure that we're getting treatment to each of the districts uh, uh, equitably so that we're making sure we're taking care of our community. Uh, And a good example of this is, again, the very first question, you know, getting people out there. You know, how often do we see elected officials from the entire county or the city down in the southeast? I saw a bunch of them out there for the grand opening of the Panorama Park, but I don't see them very often down in Deerfield Hills, uh, down there, uh, uh, where i live down there for when juneteenth used to be held down in the southeast and a lot of our events down there uh, i think i see mr chauncey over here he probably sees the same two or three of us right yeah. not the eight nine or ten of us you know that he should be seeing and so that's the way we do that and the the way you absolutely do this as uh, miss rachel mentioned earlier go to the city council meetings, go to the county commissioner meetings and let them hear your voice. It can't be two or three people. It's got to be 50, 70, 100 people. We got to show up. And the other way you do this is voting. I'm going to say something that's really bad for our area in Southeast Colorado Springs. We vote at a level of about one half of the other districts that's right. in Colorado Springs. And so it's unfortunate that the city, I think, sometimes ignores us because we do not have that great voter turnout, and so they don't hear our voice. So the best thing you can do is show up to meetings and vote in large numbers so they can they know that it, southeast Colorado Springs is a priority and should be, and I will make sure it is when I'm mayor.
5: And I have a, I have a slightly different perspective, and I promise it will be short. No, Mr. James oh, Okay.
8: okay. So, so, Steve mentioned it. A lot of people don't know about the Urban Renewal Authority. Okay. All uh, right. Everybody complains about everything going on to straight to City Council. The Urban Renewal Authority has the authority to help a lot of infrastructure. There is so much money that came that comes in annually from taxes or what we're collecting. They also from COVID. You need to go to these meetings. There are six. I'm gonna say there's six board meetings that you should be going to on a regular basis mm-hmm. to make some noise. at. Chamber of Commerce. City Council, School District, Urban New Association, your uh, HOA, and I'm having the brain fart for the last one. But the Urban New Association, I'm actually on the board for the one in Fountain, and you'd be surprised how much we hear about the millions of dollars that we need, that we're coming in. We're looking to get these new areas, bringing new things. As Stephen said about uh, the food desert, we got one in Fountain too, but we're actually in the process of bringing in more of these actual uh, grocery stores so we need. But how do we know unless you, the community, come and say, hey, i like to have a grocery store versus another liquor store? How do we know we need to have a, a new park set up versus let's just build a new parking deck? How do we know the fact that the roads are tow up instead of putting up new red light cameras? We don't know unless you come and tell them, and as Rachel said, one voice is just somebody talking. The com- a whole, a few voices, a lot of voices, the community saying we want to change. In order to make a change, you must change what you're doing. If you need to take time off, if you need to actually send somebody to the, the meetings to say, hey, this is our list of demands, our list of changes, like we're doing right now at the town hall. We have all these questions that we, that we have people give to us. Yes. Why are we not taking these same questions to the city council, urban association, school board, HOA, all of these to make changes? If you're just talking as one person, we just swiping you left.
1: All right, I see all y'all. So I have Mr. AJ, Ms. Rachel, Ms. Steven, and we're wrapping it up to the next question. Go ahead. Eddie.
6: Yeah, so when we're talking about infrastructure, you're talking about a couple different topics. First off, something that we haven't talked about is transportation. We need to address that because con- city congestion is, ve- is terrible here in Colorado Springs, and it's not going to be solved with just making your roads bigger. So I'm from Houston, Texas, or I lived there for a few years, and they thought they can just do that by building your interstate 600 feet in the air and giving nine-lane highways that didn't help anything. We need to start with the future. Think of light rails. Also, th- what about smart cities? We have cities across the world that's turned into smart cities. Essentially, what they're using, they're using smart sensors all across the city, tied with the IoT, the Internet of Things, that's going to uh, basically incorporate everything we use. Basically, it's going to see, uh, using cameras detect what traffic is like downtown. People can use these apps. They're going to use technology to make the buildings more energy efficient. Things like that. We need to be looking for the future, not two to three years from now, but 25, 30 years from now. Just
5: off the top of my head, I believe that we've been
6: designated as a smart city. It was something that was
0: facilitated by the Sub- Yes, Board
6: no, it's not. The yes, but you, we are not at the, at the full capacity that we can be. So uh, here's what yeah, I'm... Let's build So here's what I'm thinking exactly. So say we use these smart sensors, okay, and then we have an app. So you're sitting at home, how's traffic looking today? And you can see in real time how this traffic's looking. And then you can incorporate this with uh, ride share apps, or we can uh, you know, invest forward to like these light rails that maybe go from Colorado Springs, north, south, east, west, to the places that people commute from. Well,
3: since I've, for the longest time, I've heard Powers is gonna be an interstate on its own with no lights and overpasses and such that hasn't happened yet either and that they've been i've heard that mm-hmm. from way back and mm-hmm. we still haven't been able to do it
6: no yeah we just have to be sure to keep like thinking about the future and i'm sure the commissioner has been thinking about things like this you know not just planning for a year or two from now Absolutely but true. yeah what's going to happen down the road
1: all right we have a question real quick a caller what's our question real quick baby yeah
8: Can
1: you repeat that one more time? How do we help
8: fellas become entrepreneurs yeah. because the local system seems to
0: yeah. down and not have adequate resources Thank like you. they push towards the better <coughs> worker be? Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, so um, we've taken a lot of strides there Our Community Works to really get our, uh, um, you know, returning citizens uh, the resources they need to go into that path. I myself, I'm also a returning citizen. I did nearly eight years in prison, uh, and with that in mind, um, we've developed a program with a whole bunch of individuals um, that have that are cr- credible messengers, and they have that information and that knowledge to work those nuances to get our returning citizens to become entrepreneurs. Um, so what we've been doing um, is having boot camps, as I mentioned previously. Uh, from there we offer consultant work. And we are actually in the process of becoming a cbfi which is a community-based financial institution so we can make sure that the money uh, that we're getting in the state whether it's through transforming safety um, through other resources um, we're making sure that we're identifying people who want to become entrepreneurs are getting those resources to actually follow through on some of those plans Uh, in addition to that and i'll say it real quickly um, we've seen that there is also a need with the wanting to be entrepreneurs having supportive services So what happens is a lot of individuals want to be in that realm, but they don't have the resources to pay for their rent. So they're having to make a decision. Do they continue on that journey or do they take a step back and worry about their rent? So Community Works has came in and we pay for rent, transportation, while you follow those dreams down your uh, path to success. I have
5: something to add to that.
3: Briefly, please.
5: I need you to know that the law has just changed. If you uh, or any other felon had an offense that was a non offense, you can go to the courts now and you can ask for those records to be sealed. This opens your life up again, you know, because finally we're looking at doing this in a way where people pay their debt to society and they're actually forgiven. So if you get the records it spawns, you no longer have to put on applications about what happened because those records are sealed. Does that make sense, sir? Okay, so, you know, um, we'll probably try to put something on, uh, you know, the, the, the postings or something like that, or put it out where people know this, but, and um, I could actually probably put on my Facebook page. The, um, the actual law along with, you know, how to get to it so that you can understand some things about how to use it. As I think it's high time for people who have been criminally justice involved to be able to move on. And as one who seeks to represent you in House District 17 at the state level, I hope to be able to balance, you know, have a balanced way of, of bringing other laws that help you to go on and also protect
3: citizens. Thank you. Okay, Thank you. moving on.
9: We got a, a question here. Yeah, uh, yeah. uh, oh, we I, I got to interject. I'm sorry to do this right now, but my brother, he came down here. He I can't. got you, baby. Come on up here. What's
1: yeah, your question yeah, about? Yeah, let's, uh, let's do it. So, uh, basically, my question is just basically for the state reps and possibly Mayor as possibly. Um, uh, just wondering: so, Denver last around this week, what's been happening over the couple few months, just um, passed a city ordinance yeah. to make. Um, a, A vacant shelter, parking lot, uh, uh, now a homeless shelter, so where people could stay and have programs and like that. I was just wondering if that's something that you guys would be, especially you'd be willing to possibly suggest here in Colorado Springs of doing something like that or have something possibly bring that at the state level as a bill, possibly something like that. So we're
3: we're addressing the, the homeless issue. Did
5: we hear this correctly? they're using a vacant lot as a shelter? Yes, they're, like, they're, um, I, I, it's a lot that is not, it's vacant, I'm assuming it's I mean, no I longer, understand yeah, no I'm waters. assuming
1: it's no longer being used and they're using that as to, because they have shelter um, camps in, um, in multiple different areas in um, Denver to help with their,
7: Going to, to homeless problem. Yeah. Okay,
1: so I was just wondering if that's something that yeah. you guys would possibly.
8: Representative Exxon would like to answer. Yeah, question. go ahead.
1: So does anybody else want to ask this question or with the homeless topic in general, which is what we will be segueing
6: into next? Yeah, I would also like to add in the... W- oh, I'm so sorry. No,
4: go right
6: ahead. Okay, uh, I just wanted to add that I noticed uh, just being here in Colorado Springs a few years when the wintertime, when it gets really cold, you have a lot of homeless people sitting out in the streets. So I was in Alaska a few months ago and how they saw this was warming stations. Uh, personally, I haven't seen it. It's not saying we don't have them, but I think that's something we need to include in the winter just to keep people from freezing to death. But I'm on board with Chancey. I would like to see homeless people sheltered, and not just on the streets exposed to elements. That.
1: All right. And yeah. then when they, what they put re- a whole
5: bunch of roadblocks, they do a bunch of roadblocks and run everybody out from where they at and things
1: like that because they ain't got nothing. What about when that happens? Right. Cecily, what were your thoughts? And then we're going to get right to that question
4: I would love to see more implementation of exactly what he's speaking about that's taking place in Denver. I think our biggest challenge would be where they would locate it because we have a challenge. The challenge is is that there's a difference between things being within our city limits and things being in the county. There's two different avenues. The, the funding is separate. It all comes back together in the end, but in the beginning when it's being pushed out, all those things are separate. So number one, we would have to figure out what's the best location. Then our second complication would be is that location close to the resources that they need? So I believe
3: uh, recently that there were blockades put up on that uh, park down south off of Nevada. And <clears throat> so what is, what is the county, what, is, what are we're we looking, looking to, to accomplish to there? Climate.
1: What, what is the overall goal to reduce homelessness? How do we reduce <coughs> this problem that is increasing, especially with the current cost of living that we have in the city, which is
2: another topic we will be discussing today? Uh, Go ahead. Sure, so again, Commissioner Gonzalez, I'd, I'd like to add a little bit. Uh, that location is a city location, so I'm not too sure about the, oh, you mentioned roadblocks. Uh, but some of the things, uh, Locally, uh, the county and the city have provided funds uh, to try to get additional uh, housing. So, the rescue mission uh, th- had expansion uh, that was supported by uh, both communities. Uh, a good example just a couple years ago, there was a permanent supportive housing facility uh, for veterans, uh, Freedom Springs, that was opened uh, just on the border of the city and the county on the right. east side in, in unincorporated. Uh, that was uh, uh... partially funded uh... through investments uh... from nonprofits, as well as uh... Co- uh el paso county and uh, and the uh... the city uh... as well as being able to use bonding uh, uh... tax credits uh... is the largest part that the el paso county housing authority uh... usually utilizes uh... its support for these type of buildings uh... and so what we're trying to do is make sure that they are housed. but we're talking about how do we actually help them uh... what two of the thing two of the demographics, the groups that uh, are a large population of the homeless uh, would be people that are uh, have some mental, mental illness uh, mm-hmm. as well as uh, substance abuse. Uh, and so things, how do we help address that? And that's one of the yeah, things I absolutely fine. think we need to do better at. And some of the things, I'm on the State Board of Veteran Affairs, a, a lot of those uh, uh, groups of homeless are veterans. Some of them don't know that they have benefits that they can use. To get either training or to help get cleaned, uh, or or help with their How do we educate uh, their any anti- or, or some of if it's if it's a medical illness, uh, mental illness, getting them that support. And so I think there's things we can do. We've got facilities like uh, Mount Carmel Veteran Service Center. Uh, we have other uh, uh, you know uh, our nonprofit friends and our uh, our hospitals here that we can help. But we got to help them uh, with what the underlying issue is for that uh, situation they're in and if we can help them we absolutely need to do that and some of those things again are Yeah helping where do we them. get the
3: funding to make that happen? So cuz there out and out there
2: are some funds out there or. and that's why I'm saying I'm saying there is some funding out there right. again uh, I think uh, representative exxon would also say there's some funding out there uh, but yeah let's work collaboratively to get them the help that they need So Mr. NJ what
1: do you think or Mr. Allen, what do you think on that sorry
6: uh, so, first thing, uh, I've been downtown Nevada and I've talked to just people on the streets. Yeah. And i say, hey, like, what issues are you having? And one issue that I heard is some people are kind of like pushed away because they are drug users. Yeah. I think we need to house them first, no ifs, ands, or buts, and then help them get the treatment they need. Help them maybe they can learn a trade. Um, help them be productive members of society. Because, like, most of us in here, I say we're, we're fairly fortunate. We know how to get by in society. We know, you know, how to balance a checkbook. We know, like, what, how important your credit score is. But some people aren't that fortunate enough. They They've been through live events that otherwise put them in situations that, you know, we would never be in. So I think that's just one of the many solutions just to uh, build upon uh, the commissioner's statement.
1: And then, Mr. TJ, I think what you were asking is how do we even get the homeless access to this stuff? How do they get the information and the access they need to this stuff? So I'm going to start with Can you, me? Mr.
2: Watkins, or uh, am sorry, uh, Mr. Gonzalez? Sure. If I just add one thing, I, I did forget to mention, so with the opioid settlements That uh, people have been reading about in the last several months. uh, El Paso County and Teller are receiving shares of those uh, uh, funds and so what we're going to ask, we're doing uh, monthly meetings, uh, is like how do we help, how do we decide to, to Place those funds, you know, aspects that we can help support. And so when we're talking about some of the homelessness that may have substance abuse issues, uh, how do we help them? There are some funds I think that are going to be available there. Uh, and I asked the community to provide input uh, as we're doing our uh, monthly meetings on the situation and how best to utilize those funds. And this is an area that I think uh, deserves to have some of that funding go to help those. Yeah, residents. so
3: send us the information absolutely. for those meetings. I'll get so I will, absolutely. Slide, <laughs> so the people on the slide have access to that calendar so we know so we can be at those meetings everybody a lot of people are talking about being at these meetings mm-hmm. well we need to know the calendar right and if you know the calendar absolutely please share it so the information
8: spreads easier and quicker
1: and then i have mr james and then Ms. rachel and mr stephen go ahead
8: okay so you asked the question how can we get this information to the homeless uh, a lot of people know each city actually has a, home, a police department section that handles all the homeless stuff what we don't know and i learned from this class i went to is pueblo Fountain and Colorado Springs, they all collaborate together. So how do we get it to the homeless? They actually get the information that uh, uh, Gonzalez, Gonzales, uh, Commissioner Gonzales State, we give it to the PD section, and they actually have a database and actually pass information to each other. So when they're talking to those homeless folks, hey, you're a veteran, here's a spot to go here. Hey, you need mental help, here's a spot to go to. So the people who are actually in the front lines, like a better words, who are working with the homeless besides us, are talking with them, they need to have the information. You already said it exactly. Those dates and times and those meetings, we need to know so we can say hey here's a spot you can go to mount Cameron does an outstanding job working with the homeless and the veterans transitioning but we got to <laughs> get the information to those who are out there all the time talking with them yes we're going to go out there and out one day of the month and say, I'm going to do the community a good job and go talk mm-hmm. to the homeless folks. But what about the people who are out there every day out here working with them? Right. Let mm-hmm. them know what's going on. Give it to Joaquin and his people. They're out in the community. Works. Work in the community. Right. We have this information, but we're not giving it to the right people to get it to those who need the help. Yeah, yeah. boots on the ground.
5: I would like to go back to Chauncey's original question. And so... I'm hoping that everybody that's listening, and hopefully that he's kind of getting this as a strong message too, that we are all deeply interested in what is happening with people who are currently unhoused, but I'm not sure that we should go the direction of, hey, stay here in your tent where it's dangerous in the elements as a way of solving the problem. The Housing First approach that AJ talks about is one that has worked in other states. Um, and in Colorado, we have what's called the continuum of care. The continuum of care split up into regions. The region that is in El Paso County has an entire coordinated entry, which means that every agency in the region is always working on, always has outreach workers too, and is always going forward and meeting people where they are at to administer what's called the vulnerability index, and that the people who are the most vulnerable are being plugged in the fastest into housing. I don't know that we should leave people in tents. It's cold, it's dangerous, and it's unguarded. And so, especially for women, and as a champion of women's rights, I don't want women in situations where it's easier for them to be raped, where it's easier for them to be killed. And we know that we've heard the news stories about this, but we can align in new ways and create new funding models between organizations that have not worked before and have not worked together to create more housing. Everything doesn't have to be about government. There are an amazing amount of people who we'd be more than willing to create new types of rental assistance, new types of housing, tiny housing, smaller apartments, all sorts of things that we can do to get people off the street. Because if we want people to be able to get better and to improve their lives, the least we can do is make sure that they are at least sheltered and safe. <laughs> you this, know, this is a mandate as a state. As,
3: we have to. As you say that, what comes to my mind and what I'm thinking of is, you have to create space, right? There's a lot of people in the in the un, under, you know, they're not, they don't have the income, right? So they're sitting in all the housing that they can afford. How can we create space and move those people into more uh, different housing? Right. So the homeless people can move into their housing.
4: That. right. A so let's move. Let's. How
7: can we? How can we take the whole community and? rise up.: all
1: right, I think Mr Steven
9: and
7: then. I'll see Mr. You know, one of the things here, listening to everybody and talking about all the different organizations here locally to help out with our homelessness is, uh, in today's economy, sadly, as many folks that are listening today are probably one paycheck away from being homeless.. True. And you know the That's thing is, as, as I'm sitting here listening to all of these individuals that are professionals in their field, compassion. Hmm. Where's cool. our compassion as a community? And, Check you know, them. we need to remove the stigma in regards to our homelessness. That's right. Because there are folks out there um, that are, hey, I lost my job. I was one paycheck away. You know, I got evicted. Right. You know, other, other aspects is I am, abs- you know, as your county assessor, I'm working with Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. You know, what can we do there for our homeless population, our veterans who are disabled, uh, to get them into a home? So you know we're talking about valuation we 're talking about taxes, but as you just alluded to, how can we bring these people to the next level? The show? bottom line is, guys we 're all friends we 're neighbors let 's show some compassion that. and you know and it 's just one of those things is reaching out. You know, I volunteered uh, back on uh, valentine 's Day with Miss Rachel when we went down to the park to feed our homeless, and you know, there was nothing more inspiring to me when a lady who came up to me and she was crying and she said, Steve, I'm about ready to lose my home. Well, she was not aware of the different programs that are available to her, and I educated her, and I'm still in communication and talked about the senior homestead exemption. It's education. There is a lot of things out there that these folks aren't aware of. Right. And once she found out, here are programs that you qualify for, and it's a very simple task for me. Hey, I'll take care of this as soon as I get into the office, which was done she's still in her home yeah so those are things that we you know as far as the professionals in our community um, it compassion and get out there and educate you know and and I want to say thank you for the people that have shown up
3: here today that shared the information that you have because that's what we're doing right we're it's town hall we've got some resources we got information let's move that information down the line to the people
0: that need it and so thank you for your time and for doing that and then Mr. King, what you were saying? Yeah, I was just going to add in um, the importance of having credible messengers. I know we have, like, in the police department, we have people that go out and deal with that population. But I think the importance needs to be having that information being conveyed by people who were affected by that, right? So, uh, you know, in our community, um, when the police come, if, even if they have any good information, it falls on deaf ears just because a lot of the, you know, walls that we built up between the police department as well as our community. But if you have somebody who's been affected by both sides and is very well versed on both ends of it, delivering that information, such as a credible messenger, that's how we're going to effectively get out that information. So we got to also pay attention to the messenger who's uh, deploying this information.
4: Thank you. Yes, I have a couple of points to add. Um, first off, there's a misconception about what the word homeless means mm-hmm. and how those people make the change to, yeah. to ch- do better for themselves. Uh, first off, homeless does not mean sleeping outside or sleeping in a car. That's true. Anybody that does not hold a legal lease or mortgage in their own name mm-hmm. is considered homeless. Mm-hmm. So if you have a family member that lives with you, Yes, you're providing them shelter, but that shelter cannot be considered permanent unless they have their name on your lease. Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, And that's that's a great time to plug the Homeless Not Hopeless, right? right? October Uh, 23rd. (laughs) Uh, I want to, that's, uh, let's, you know, talk about that a little
1: bit.
7: You know, one thing that was extremely important to me early on in my, um, as far as being elected as county assessor, is I worked with our state legislators. as sixty five percent of our domestic violence victims were considered homeless? And as we sit there and we're talking about, um, you know, folks being on a lease or on a on a mortgage, it really astonished me as an elected official. Is why I asked the question: Why are these individuals of domestic violence and sexual abuse? Um, homeless, And the reason why, that was their choice. They did not want to be part of the public record where their abuser can go out online on any kind of government platform and, and right. basically find right. them and stalk them. Right. So what we ended up doing was basically we worked on a bill, we passed a bill where now these individuals are masked They can buy property, they can lease property, and you cannot locate them, and it's under the Address Confidentiality Program here in the state of Colorado. And that is one of the things, is where you have elected officials that listen to the community, take Mm -hmm. action, and take care of their citizens. Now we have victims who can now buy and sell property and not worry about being part of the public record, and their are abusers tracking them down. So yeah. that's masked. And,
3: and you know, <clears throat> I was, I've had recent conversations about a, a more public topic, and, and that is, and as, you, as I dug down into the roots, part of that was privacy. There's a privacy thing that we need to address here, yep. right, with our health, privacy, with our purchases, privacy, and, and, having, and keeping government out of our business so much. Yep. When it's that, when, you know, so thank you.
1: And then Mr. X, and we still got you on the line. What are your thoughts on this conversation with homelessness and programs?
5: Do the know, now yeah.
1: that's of off the right but once we get them off the street we got really with all the, social, 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 the things that with. thank you mr Exxon. and then i also have uh, mm-hmm. oh, okay. this we <laughs> no we're going to Ms. glenn real quick on just her thoughts and opinions Um, with the whole homelessness uh, situation or people who lack consistent residency.
9: You know, it makes me sad. It's something that I wish we had a solution to. It makes me sad. Of course, I have cash compassion for that. One of the things that I really focus on in my real estate business is assisting single moms who qualify for programs, teacher next door, um, you know, public, uh, public safety person next door, FHA, and educating young moms educating single moms in different viable loan options for them and assisting those moms in getting into their first homes and, and that's just one way that I can personally contribute
1: Did anybody else want to add?
7: I would what? like to finish with Cicely's answer
4: come over here baby I'm gonna get you this mic. No,
0: no I just want to finish, finish here
4: with
7: oh, <laughs>
4: <Jesus>. <laughs> okay so I would like to add that first off Affordable housing is just a facade because it's only labeled that by the people who can afford it. The people who cannot, the people who cannot meet the rental guidelines, they are expected to make three times their rent. That's number one. Gross income, not including any deductions. They have to make three times the rent to qualify. That's not including their credit. That's not including their rental history. Then they have another Hiccup about it In our apartment communities They have the rule They call it the two heartbeat per bedroom rule So let's say So let's say you have A husband and a wife Or a man and a woman And they have two children That automatically means They have to be able to afford a two bedroom Otherwise they're they're in violation Of Mm -hmm. the rules Of uh, Equal and fair and quality control of life, quality of living standards because the rule is two heartbeats per bedroom. Some people cannot qualify to match what their family needs. So they're either having to do one or two things. They're either having to not have a solution of their own or they're having to improvise and do some things that they shouldn't be, have to do just to qualify. They really don't give, make any exceptions to that rule. That's number one. Uh, number two, we do not have enough what they call transitional housing. We do have some immediate solutions, our shelters and things like that, even though we need more of that on board, of course. We don't have enough transitional housing, and the difference is, is that they take people who have no home at all, and they give them a step-up program. Yes. When you come in, you have to have some viable income, a way of earning money as a requirement to enter into the program. If you have any substance abuse problems or other issues, you have to be willing to take the steps necessary to work on that issue. Right. So that you can become what they call self sufficient, so then you can transition out of that housing and go on to a permanent situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop you there. Go ahead.
7: You know, that is a great segue because what we're doing is we're talking about homelessness in order. Getting back into affordability, we're getting back into infrastructure, things like that. And when we sit there and we talk about affordability and infrastructure, you know, we have to look at the difference, the difference between non residential, which is commercial property, and residential. And when we sit there and we take a look at, um, I want to bring some good news. It seems like we've been talking about, you know, a lot of negative here in Southeast Colorado Springs. Here's the positive the last three out of the five years. Anybody have any idea of the hottest zip codes in the entire nation? For Mar- 6. 80916. 80916 and 809, yeah, I, Clayton, I know you know. 80911 and 80916, the ho- two hottest zip codes, the three out of the last five years. So what does that mean for property owners that are located south of Platte, east of I-25, East you know, South Barrel, Security Whitefield Fountain, They are sitting on some major investment. However, what we also have to address is when we went through a huge downturn back in 2007, 2008, when we saw the real estate uh, collapse, is those were the hardest hit communities where we actually saw a two-tier market, where we saw more foreclosures in these uh, communities than we did arms length transactions. Here is what needs to happen today when we're sitting here talking about affordability. Let's get down to the issue where we need to have these government municipalities communicate with one another, communicate with builders, because here's what's happening now. is You have a builder that comes into town and says, I want to build homes. I'm sub- subdividing this land. However, these municipalities are charging fifty dollars to $65,000 for a tap fee. This doesn't include permits. Mm-hmm. Tell so, them right. What tap fees are. So, basically, a tap fee is when you sit there and you tap into the utility. So, what's happening is now you have a builder who is sitting there going, "I'm at one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars before the first shovel is put into the dirt." So, as a builder, how are they supposed to build an affordable house when okay. they haven't even put the when they haven't even put the shovel in the dirt? And Glenn, I'll let you take from there because you deal with oh, this as sure. well.
1: All right, and then I'm going to go to Mr. James, and then I'm going to go right to you go ahead, man. Well, I'm going to take
8: my time and pass it back to a young lady who was finishing <laughs> up uh, everything going on because she has some great information that the one thing we keep saying is, if you have the information, how do we get it to folks? She's giving right. us stuff that we didn't know that we need to know. So, young lady, continue on with your statement.
4: Okay, you know what, Um, I was going to um, extend my welcome for you guys to have an ongoing relationship with me going forward, doesn't matter the topic, if i said anything that interests you and you would like to uh, have further conversation about it, that's what I'm here for. I'm very passionate about the community um, and I do have a lot of knowledge. Um, I love to exchange resources, I love to exchange things that work ideas that could be uh, turned into something that leads somewhere. Um, It seems to me that everybody understands clearly now that you need to come out in numbers and it needs to start at the base. You need to have the community feedback directly and you need to make them come on down with you into these entities that make all of our decisions for us because they have to have public access. You have, sure. to, you have to be able to be heard and to be part of public record. They cannot say what we're doing here is confidential and private from the community and from citizens. So you have the right to be there and listen as long as you're being respectful and minding their rules and you have the right for what they call input from the public and at that point. You get to present anything that you want them to hear. They cannot uh, tell you that what you need to um, be utilizing the time for. You can literally go up there with a list and every single month show up on them and say, same list. New date. I'm going to come and I'm going to hammer this out with you guys. We're not going to stop. As a matter of fact, I'm bringing more people into that whole philosophy that the more the merrier because... When you have people turn out in numbers and you have people band together, they cannot ignore it.
0: Thank you. Mr. Mobley and Mr. Sexton. Yeah, real quick, um, just speaking on the hot housing markets, I think a concern for us, uh, the people that I work with, the people that visit our barbershop, when we hear hot housing market, that's kind of synonymous with gentrification for us, right? So um, we're hearing how this housing market is doing great, how it's the hottest in the country. But for, like, for instance, my mother, my sisters, they can't afford to live in that community no more because of these housing markets. So I'm really concerned on how we're going to keep and empower the people that are denizens of that community there and give them those resources as opposed to pushing them out so new people can come and inhabit that area. It's really a big concern because I have family members who have suffered from that. Yeah,
6: so while we're talking housing, I just want to bring up the fact that we have roughly about 13% of the housing market being bought by out-of-state developers. So particularly in my area, it's Invitation Homes out of Dallas, Texas, and BlackRock. They are coming in and buying houses as soon as they're built or as soon as they go on the market. They're outbidding everybody, like you and me, raising the prices. And I'm concerned because we're expecting our first child this December. And in, you know, 20, 25 years, if he wants to build to have his first home, I don't want him to have to worry about like a million dollar house payment because i want i think houses should be for people not corporations and i just want to bring that to people's attention if you're not already aware of it just do some basic research see what's going on in the community get with your local community leaders like everybody here has spoke about
8: Mr. Flower? well since you brought that up, so excellent because my neighborhood we have the same thing we have several houses that are being bought up by uh these major companies Zillow was one of the ones that did that so my question is to state, county representative, whatever your section you are at, is there anything that can be put into a bill or is there anything in force that we we can't see so you can't buy the house, but can we get more money from them buying out of state and we know that they're going to make it a rental they're going to make outstanding money off of it so for example, like in my my street alone, I actually have one house that's been uh bought and rented several times there're actually in my little area i think there's we have what? 70 homes, about 10 to 15 of them are rental properties. And because of the fact that they're such a great spot, close to the school, close to the base, they're actually able to charge probably $15 to $2,000 a month starting off, and every year go up another five to $700. So what are we getting as far as the community, the city, the county, the state, back off of that, from them being out-of-staters?
6: Yeah, so one thing that I think that is realistic, I don't think we can realistically say, hey, corporations cannot ban homes. As nice as that would be, I don't think it's going to happen. One thing that I would like to see is a waiting period, so they can't just come in and beat everybody. Maybe it's a 30, 60, 90-day waiting period. Second, we also could try something like perhaps, uh, I know I'm not really a big fan of raising taxes on anybody at all, but perhaps the taxes on these certain investment companies and take that fund and put it back into an affordable housing you know, for people who really need it. But then again, there's also negative externalities with that. You got to think about are they just going to continue to do that and raise the prices up or are they going to, um, you know, maybe cut back? It's something I don't know. There are different solutions, but I think everybody here, Republican, Democrat, they can agree that housing should be for people. So now that we have a middle ground, I say we start talking about it and what are some realistic solutions because I'm not going to claim I'm the most intelligent person in the room because I'm not. But, but we have people that are more intelligent. I mean, the commissioner probably has some great ideas. You know, you probably have some great ideas. Yeah. Like, I Let's think hear from
3: Mr. Stephen. He, he, yeah, yeah, go
7: ahead. You know, I think we are teetering on private property rights. Uh, when you have a property owner that wants to sell to a corporation, if they come in and say, I'm going to offer you $10,000 above asking price, that is a contract between a willing buyer and a willing seller. And every property owner has that right. It's with contained within their bundles of rights as being a property owner. Now, this is a very hot topic. Glant knows this. Uh, Representative Exum knows this. When we're sitting here talking about uh, single-family residential properties inventory is what we have to look at is not only corporations coming in and buying it, but we also have to talk about short-term rentals and Airbnbs. Absolutely. where. Yeah. So what we're talking about, and this is an extremely hot topic in the state of Colorado. Sure and is. why why is it such a hot topic in Colorado and nowhere else? And the reason why is because tourism. well, it's tourism. But the reason why is in the state of Colorado, the separation between the residential assessment rate and the non-residential assessment rate, which is commercial and vacant land, is three times. So he, mm. here, the residential assessment rate is 6.95%. For non-residential properties, which is commercial and vacant land, it's 29%. They pay quadruple the amount of taxes. Mm. However, current statute basically states is if you are operating or leasing out a property for 30 days or less, it is considered a short-term rental. Long-term is when you do 30 days or more. This is where you start getting to the assessment rates. There are many, many concerns that we, as elected officials, we as a community, need to talk about in regards to short-term rentals, Airbnbs, and I know Representative Exum uh, has been part of this as well. Um, The concerns I have are this: we have a lot of individuals in our community that are utilizing the gig economy to get by. Part of that is if they're doing DoorDash, you know, Instacart, or if they're basically leasing out a bedroom or their basement there is a major difference between an owner occupied property and a non owner occupied property right. because a non owner occupied property is an investment and they're making you know income off that but the concern that i have is is when your local assessor converts that property to non residential to a commercial property triples the taxes and this is something i helped a young lady with is many citizens, again, we come down to the education piece, is many citizens aren't aware of current Colorado laws. If they are converted to commercial, many citizens here in our community have a VA loan. Glant knows this. Okay. VA what? does not no. loan no. on no. commercial no. property. No. No. So what happens is these individuals, once they're converted over to commercial, the mo- their, their mortgage it will be called. Yes. They will lose their VA loan. So these are conversations that we as a community have to folks have to. that are running for, you know, state offices need to absolutely understand what is going on. It's not about chasing the money. It's not about the taxes. It's about guys, there are a lot of things that can actually hinder a lot of citizens in our community. But you tap onto that as the
9: market settles here and our is down twenty five percent from last year. Yes, ma'am go up, think how many people
7: that paid $50,000, 60000 over market
9: price for their home yep. and then immediately took out equity lines of credit. Yeah. There's so many people this year that are of- going to be
3: upside down on their homes. Yep. Oh, they say right. next year there's going to be a lot of
7: foreclosures. Yeah. Mm. You know, here, I, I, I'll tell you, is I see a very strong market here. We still are seeing supply and demand. I still see deeds that are coming in where folks are paying over asking price. But the problem as your county assessor is this. State statute states, you value the properties off the uh, market sales comparison approach for single family residential. That's part of our Tabor Amendment. The problem I have with that is we have to use the value that is on the warranty deed between a willing buyer and a willing seller. When right. somebody's paying sixty thousand dollars above asking price, that is not the true value of the mm-hmm, home. Mm-hmm. That's good. That is not what the assessed value is. So this is where, and Glenn, you absolutely know this, is to me, we are overvaluing these homes because people are paying a bidding, you know, a primary yeah. bid on these properties, and they will never get their money out of it. But those pro- those bids are affecting all of us single-family residential property owners for the revaluation of property. So who's doing that? It's part of our statutes, part of our Constitution. So the Tabor Amendment specifically states for single-family residential properties, you use the sales market comparison approach. However, you're allowed to use the cost approach, the income approach, and the sales approach for your non-residential, which is commercial and vacant land and agricultural properties. But when you sit there and it's basically these overbids that are affecting things, I'm starting to see a trickle down on that and Glenn, you probably have seen it as well, where folks aren't, you know, uh, bidding up. Um, but it's the supply and demand. Once we get more supply on Dad. the market and the building and things like that, then the demand have- and things will equal themselves out. No wait a
8: minute so in order to get more supply we need more buildings but yeah. we just stated the fact that the builders can't build because of the cost of building up so sure, so so, so there is the there's the uh double-edged sword you want us uh, i'm sorry we need to actually provide housing right. but city county elect officials have yeah, to figure out how can we actually get right. the money down to builders who want to come i can tell you for a fact when i was in uh, uh oakwood homes actually left fountain they actually had a whole quadrant that yeah. they said we're not going to build here because the it cost of the money. permits and taps, the taps was way too much. Yeah. Now, and, and, and this, you have to have the, you have to have to these utilities built in, you have to figure it out, and there's no way, uh, I know our homes are averaging at that time about 285, now we have homes down in the fountain selling a minimum of 425, 450, yes. and it's the exact same house that was there last year. Exactly. These are houses that have not actually upgraded from the hail damage to uh, go stucco, but it's the fact I have siding, and I'm next door to you, and you're next door to me, I get to add that value. So the the, the, the million-dollar, billion-dollar question is, how do we get a good line for the builders and the buyers to get the tap fees down to be able to afford to get the housing we need? James,
7: that, that is we the,
5: must change the law.
7: That is the communication between a lot of municipalities. But then let's go back to Habitat for Humanity. When they are building a house where they can sit there and have somebody – afford that at $200,000 or $300,000 in today's market, you have developers, home builders, that are donating that. the land. HBA. Yep. And so it's the HBA and things like that. So you have developers out there that are, that understand the crisis that we're in, and I, I don't use that term lightly. Crisis. Crisis yeah. it's is the right word. Basically, um, they are donating the land, um, you know, and, Basically, fronting the, the cost of the tap fees and the permits and things like that. Um, it, it comes down to it, but again, is. Well, this yeah, is just that, communication. Offset, Real quick, one time. Ms. Um,
1: what do you have to say on oh.
4: that? That's um, what makes tax credits properties in, in pretty intriguing, simply because the the way that they set up tax credits is literally what they're labeled. These Investors and stakeholders are coming together as a group and they're making an investment for a property and in turn they receive tax credits. So anybody that hears a break on taxes, they're usually sold, they usually can get them to go with that. Here's the issue with it, the red tape that's involved to manage a tax credit property is one of the most complicated things to do simply because the person that you have in in charge and management has to be skilled in all the specific rules and details because if not when you push everything up it rolls right back down on you so then eventually your tax credits are in jeopardy and the whole situation just turns upside down but it's a beautiful opportunity to have a group of people that can afford to come together and and get a property and make it affordable because that's part of the structure that it has to be affordable living for these tax credits. But the problem is, is that mm-hmm. to actually run the program and administer it and handle the leasing and all the paper trail that goes along with it is a complete nightmare. They can't take somebody that has regular, standard, traditional um, housing experience. They have to actually be certified to know exactly how to process the paperwork, and then it ends up turning into a disaster and bad news from there. And so it's very, very tricky. We also have the fact that uh, we have, for instance, look into Griffith's Blessing. They're the largest property management company that we have in this whole city. Okay, They own so many properties. They also have somehow figured out how to get the city to allow them to build these brand new apartment communities that's downtown, which goes against the zone, zoning problem that has always been in place, meaning if a piece of land was de- designated as commercial, you could not get the city to approve for you to put something residential there. They have crossed that barrier somehow, and I do believe it's because they have enough power and money to fund their own projects. So they have about three or four spectacular brand-new builds that's downtown where we've never seen residential housing before, but the rent is sky-high and enormous. They're able to do so. Same thing happened with some of the hotels in the southeast section of the city. They're no longer hotels. Hotel (laughs) Elegante and the other one also, Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, Cheyenne Mountain? Is it Cheyenne Mountain? The one, I think it's a conference resort. Yeah, Cheyenne Mountain Conference Resort. They both somehow decided we're no longer in the hotel business. We're going into affordable housing. So these uh, buildings, we're renovating everything, and we're turning them into affordable housing units, and we're going to rent each and every one of these like a lease like they do for regular apartment complexes, and it used to be an existing hotel that was had vibrant business, didn't have any troubles or anything, but it's more practical for them to head that direction because the need is so
3: well yeah and i mean we've had we've had this yeah and we had (laughs) that conversation in the last couple hours about affordable housing right so they're actually you know helping solve a problem
5: there and i would
4: like to see them do more of the same and these are not government subsidized right
5: These are market rate housing at lower rates. We need to find more builders who are willing to innovate. We need to rezone more existing areas that have commercial Mm -hmm. property that sat with nothing on it forever and rezone it for multi-family housing that can be built at an affordable rate, you know, or convert areas that can be, you know, turned into housing also at an affordable rate. So our entire answer doesn't have to be government. Some of this, is are problems that can be solved in the business realm we just have to encourage more business in the areas that need this but the absolute bottom line regarding the housing scarcity that we have the lack of supply that is driving the problems we we're, we're going to have to build i mean i see people online saying stupid things like well all these people should move to other states well that's just ridiculous
3: yeah they're bringing money thank you very much okay so we're going to wrap things up here real quick i'm going to give you a minute please tell people how they can contact you and any resources that you want to provide so tell our audience who you are and where they can contact you and what you're looking to give
2: Uh, sure i'm lojinos gonzalez i'm a current county commissioner uh you can contact me at uh online go to elpaso co.com you can see the commissioner's uh, information there for sending us information uh, or emails if you have any questions uh and uh, also again I'm running for mayor so you can go to gonzalesformayor.com g o n z a l e z uh f o r uh, mayor.com and the other thing I would say I would reemphasize one thing that we talked about earlier be involved go to the meetings uh, make sure uh, that you're getting your voice heard and register to vote if you haven't done so already and the city and county both have 40 or 50 boards and committees that you could volunteer to be participate in and that's going to help you get your voice listened to as well if you
0: participate in the government entities thank
3: Thanks. you thank you Mr. Joaquin
0: absolutely I'm Joaquin Mobley senior vice president of community works I'm also on a whole bunch of other boards, one being the Black Chamber of Commerce and another being on the board at a local school here, uh, the community uh, prep high school, which deals with a lot of our alternative school uh, kids. Um, One thing I want to say is really... Uh, if you're really interested in, um, you know, making that transition to the pathway to success, whether you're a veteran, returning citizen, you're on TANF food stamps, whatever, please come visit Community Works at 1652 South Circle. Uh, the main cross streets would be uh, South Circle and Monterey. Uh, we also have a barber shop in there, um, so. Definitely a good place for a public forum if you guys want to exchange information and knowledge. Um, Our website is www.commwrks.org. Thank you.
3: Thank you very much.
4: Again, my name is Cicely Harding. I specialize in community resources. So if there is anything that you're struggling with trying to put together a game plan, I would love to be part of it and help you out in that department. I have a lot of ideas and different things that you may be able to consider or try. I also know how to point you in the right direction because it's nothing like um, knowing what you need but not knowing which direction to go and so I like to do that for people Um, you can follow me on Facebook at ribbon in the sky you can also contact me here at the slide if you would like to uh, pass along a message and I'll be happy to follow up and get back to you I happen to have an open schedule, and so any day and any time that um, someone would like to speak to me on any uh, topic about this city and things that uh, need to be improved and ways we may be able to get together and do that, that is exactly what I'm here to do.
3: Thank you so much.
5: I'm Rachel Stovall, and I'm a community (coughs) advocate. I've been advocating in the Pikes Peak region for 30 years. And I have handled every type of difficulty from children's advocacy all the way up to tenant issues and entire apartment complexes. I am currently running for House of Representatives uh, in House District 17, which is primarily Southeast Colorado Springs. I bring that housing knowledge and would love to share with anybody who wants to know more about that. My website is www.stovall4u. Um, stovall is spelled S-T-O-V-A-L-L, and the four is F-O-R-U, stovall You can send any message there that you like, and we really answer, and we seek to solve problems. Come on, you guys. Let's get together. Let's solve some problems. Thank you so much, Mr. <laughs> Albin.
6: Uh, my name is Alvin Sexton. I'm running for House District 15. If you don't know where that is, that is east of Powers and south of Woodman, essentially, with a little bit of Woodman encompass- woodman encompassing it. If I have to leave with one message today, I want to say run for something. Get involved because your voice, your vote is very important. If it wasn't important, you wouldn't have people trying to take it away. Let your voice be heard. Find the issues in your community and go out and make a positive change in the world.
7: Thank you, sir. My name is Steve Schleicher. I'm running to be our next El Paso County Clerk and Recorder. And you can contact me. Let me give you my cell phone number where you could text, call, reach out, 719-377-8360, or you can go to my website at www.steveschleicher.com. And, you know, one of the things as we're sitting here talking about property rights as your next clerk and recorder is I am going to bring a property lock program into our recording department so if there's any fraudulent deeds or liens placed on your property you will be notified so I recognize that and bring the experience the leadership and the knowledge and commitment to this office to serve the citizens of El Paso County thank you very much thank you
8: my name is James Flowers I'm the proud president of the Fountain Valley Chamber of Commerce you can reach me my website james-flowers.com that's james-flowers.com or you can text or call me at 719 719- Two nine seven one five seven six. I'd like to thank everybody for allowing us all to be here together with everything we're doing. Uh, my main philosophy is you can't help people if you're not trying to help yourself. If you got information, give it out. Mm-hmm. I'm all about helping minorities, the veterans and women in general. If you have assistance that we need to put up to people, let me know what we'll passing <coughs> if I can assist you anyway. Give me a call, I'll be there for you.
1: Awesome. And then also we wanna go ahead, Mr. Axon, how can they reach you?
9: Thank you. And Ms. Glenn, how can we get a hold of you? Uh, I can be reached at ghavener at lakeorg or on my website at glennformayor.com. And I just encourage everybody, as we've said here, to get involved in our community that we can't complain unless we're a part of the
1: solution. All right, thank you.
3: Yeah, so we have a couple events coming up. <clears throat> we have Homeless Not Hopeless, October 23rd. Homeless, Not Hopeless, October 23rd. Check out the slide and find that information there. Also, we're doing the turkey turnover from November 16th to the 23rd, where we'll be delivering dinner to people. So if anybody has any resources that can help us out with the turkey tur- turnover der- dinner, uh, please let us know. Thank you so much.
1: All right, and then you have your show as well. What's happening day is your show airing?
3: Yes, so Sunday from 6 to 8, Glow Growth and Development, we talk mindset, transformation, and helping the community.
1: I talk culture on Wednesday 7 and 9 on the Tiffany Denny show we thank you all for coming out yes I thank you say we do have homeless not hopeless and we do have the turkey turnover so we are still accepting donations that are including toiletries gently used clothes or new clothes we're accepting uh, food for the drive so if you guys have that stuff laying around which I know a lot of us do I gotta clean up my closet right now mm-hmm. please make sure y'all contact us so we can get this out to the community because
3: that's what this whole talk was
0: about today. Thank y'all. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> Can we get a picture?
5: Slide. Glenn, thank you Oh, that's coming. a great idea. Can one of y'all take a picture? Yeah. Um, I hope you come out and join no, no, us. No, I it's not
2: good. I got to get a that. have Not by choice. See, See you later. That was uh, Longino's.
5: Wish mm. you guys
0: Tony,
6: thank oh,
7: you good. so much. All right, yeah.
0: you all right,
2: you
7: take
6: care. All, oh, oh, was oh. Him, I couldn't
0: understand. Mm. I couldn't understand this her, a was good discussion. Oh. I'm no. like, oh. 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 don't oh. move oh. yet, y'all. Oh. 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 Can we get oh. one? like Can we get two of them? Can we get sitting
7: down oh. and Anna? Okay, oh. sit back down. Sit back down, Steve. Up, down. I ain't getting there. Oh. Up, oh. down, up, down.
3: That's Rachel. Mm-hmm. Rachel. Oh sorry. But done. All right. Should so I slide it? down here
5: if we can, for the slide? Oh. oh. Okay. 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 Um. I'm not getting <coughs> and, so I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and those forms that we gave you guys, um, if y'all could help us out with anything for
4: our next two upcoming events,
5: please. Any dollar amount helps cause. You know what? You You're
4: to welcome to have my card. Do all of I, don't of our, uh, I don't happen to have any, but when I tell you that I'm always available and I'm 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 I'm, I'm gonna keep it 100 with you, no matter what the topic is. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> Much love yes. to you, gentlemen. I will definitely be in touch with yeah. you. I love what you do and what you stand for.
0: I want to talk about transitional hours. We're trying to get into that space.
4: We you, we definitely need to have a deep discussion about it because it's in high demand and there is only one place that I know of that even has a program.
3: So let's do this. Let's put let's put something on the calendar and I'll bring you on my show. Let's, let's get these pictures and have a conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, let's okay. get the pictures that's that's right, right. right. Back hard with. With.
8: Yeah. Keep this picture, so go sit I
5: down? picture, yeah. okay. Oh, my God, I'm
8: about ready to get this okay. as big as what
5: come. Listen like here, Jill, <laughs> I'm going to need you to calm down. Yes, okay. all command from let, like let me step, step, step to the side, touch the wall, okay? Now, okay.
0: shift to the left. Yes, go. Yes, yes, ma'am. Take a strong picture, like everybody's the down.
5: Is that wide enough to grab everyone?